You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Mountain West Wire podcast. Hey, it's a mini episode. We have not done these in a while. Because when you move, it takes away a lot of time. Check us out, MWR.com. Jeremy Moss, obviously, hanging out. And we're going to talk BOE football. Now, before you throw rocks at me and debris coming my direction, <laughs> we got a good reason for it. we got a good buddy, Mitch Harper, talk about the Cougars, who take on three uh, Mountain West teams this year, Hawaii, Boise State, and Utah State. So, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jeremy. It's... Uh... It's a little bit surprising to think that there's only three Mountain West teams on uh, BYU schedule. Usually, it feels like there's about four or five. A little bit lower in number, but still, there's a, a nice flavor of Mountain West teams on BYU's independent schedule once again. We do. For those who are unfamiliar with Mitch Harper, you should know who he is. He's been on before when we had our extravaganza about uh, Gonzaga, BYU basketball, Mountain West, which came out to big fight nothing. But check him yeah. out. Check him out on Twitter, Mitch underscore Harper. He's over uh, does stuff at ESPN seven hundred, ESPN nine sixty sports on Twitter, all over the place. So let's ask you that super quick. Were you surprised at all that nothing happened at all from that basketball conversation a few months ago? Yeah, I was definitely surprised because I really thought that BYU or excuse me Gonzaga was going to be um, headed for the Mountain West Conference. I think that ultimately, you know, the West Coast Conference making all those concessions. Uh, for Gonzaga by you know trimming down the conference schedule from 18 games to 16 and then you know allocating more money for NCAA tournament you know uh, bids or or, or the um, um, the Credits. advancement yeah the, the advancement into the tournament uh, so that 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 went in Gonzaga's favor so the the WCC basically caved to everything Gonzaga and rightfully so I mean they carry the league but still I thought it was gonna be a move by Gonzaga's part to increase their competition level because I believe that the Mountain West Conference basketball would have been a huge upgrade for Gonzaga um, and BYU would have been kind of left in the dust, you know, as the only team in the WCC. They would have probably had more chances to actually win a conference, but uh, it would have been a bad situation. So I think it worked out for BYU, but for Gonzaga, I was very surprised that they didn't end up ultimately going to the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, because they get two extra games. Are they going to add, what, Duke and Arizona <laughs> to yeah. the schedule? So it would have been crazy. Two top five teams, Nevada them. But it's neat. I I think it will happen in a couple of years. But let's get to football, the real sport, because we all watch football more than basketball. That's right. So here's what we got. So BYU football. Give a quick overview, because we chatted here and there through some of our team previews. BYU has a new offensive staff. I believe nearly everybody is gone. Jeff Grimes from LSU is the new OC. Ty Detmer is out. So give a quick update on, like, what's the new staff about and what's um, in store for this offense, I should say. Yeah, yeah. the, the offense, I think, is, is still kind of a mystery. I mean, they, they say things like they're going to be multiple. I would expect, though, that this offense, they want to run the football quite a bit. Um, I, I mean, ideally, they want to be balanced, but they want their foundation to be running the football and relying on on their offensive line. BYU feels pretty confident. They got about eight to ten guys on the offensive line that they could play in a game. 
so they're going to try to utilize the the strength they have up front along the offensive line and well that ties into as you mentioned Jeff Grimes that's his background he's always been an offensive line coach wherever he's been from the likes of you know LSU Texas A&M Boise State Arizona State he's been all over the map even BYU before back in 04 to 06 uh, Jeff Grimes has been all over so his background is an offensive line coach and they're going to rely on that offensive line to really lead BYU and they're going to try and uh, have a ground attack but also I mean it's BYU though you know they got to they got to air it out they got to have some semblance of a passing attack but don't look for them to be this aerial assault team all of a sudden with a new offensive staff I think they're still going to try to run that football but they got to have more balance because last year was an absolute disaster not only statistically were they bad offensively but they just weren't even competitive there was no there was many games and one including that LSU they could they felt like they weren't even going to cross the yard line so um it was really bad last year it took a big hit on the brand of BYU but I think they feel pretty feel they feel pretty good that they're ready they're in a position to maybe surprise some folks in 2018 because this is a very unique situation BYU's in being in a spot where literally no one is expecting anything from BYU it's kind of new territory for them so let's go with the you mentioned the passing attack which they've been known for for decades mm-hmm. um, I've heard they have about is the depth chart about eight quarterbacks if I'm correct <laughs> yeah it started out back at uh, the first of spring it started out with around eight guys that instantly got trimmed down after about two or three practices in spring to around five guys and now it's it's down to around four maybe three depending on who you talk to but uh, about four guys for BYU's quarterback race and the the most notable name is Tanner Mangum of course who back in 2015 had over you know pretty much rewrote the BYU freshman record books throwing for nearly 3,500 yards had big wins over Boise State on in a Hail Mary fashion uh, and then of course Nebraska as well but since um, Tanner Mangum hasn't uh, really done much in his BYU career. Last year was really bad for him, and he, he suffered an Achilles injury against Fresno State, who was a fantastic team last year, uh, winning 10 ball games. But, I mean, Tanner Mangum, the thing about him that's interesting is that he's going into his senior year, and he's never in his career won a quarterback battle because last year – he was just handed the reins as the quarterback. They just said, hey, you're the guy. You did great in 2015. You learned behind Taysom. You learned Ty Detmer's offense. You're the guy now. So he's never in his whole career actually won a quarterback competition. He lost in 2016 to Taysom Hill. 2015, he was coming back from a mission. And then last year, he didn't have one. So it's going to be interesting to see how he shapes up um, coming into this quarterback competition. He's down 22 pounds. That was needed. Uh, but then after him, you got guys like Zach Wilson, a true freshman from Corner Canyon, which is notable on him is that Jeff Grimes was the one that recruited Zach Wilson. So I think that's an interesting element to this dynamic. But then also you got guys like Joe Critchlow, who if, if for Mountain West fans, they remember maybe Critchlow having that really big game against UNLV, kind of surprising uh, many folks, including myself, mm-hmm. that they pulled off that upset, beating UNLV when you know UNLV looked primed to be ready to get a get a bowl bid um, uh, and become bowl eligible. Critchlow's in the mix again, and then Bo Hodge, Merrill Hodge's son of uh, Pittsburgh Steeler lore and a former ESPN analyst. Uh, he's another guy as well. So 
that's the four quarterbacks that are going to be going into fall camp looking to uh, compete for that job. So it's it's Tanner, right? Is that who's it going to be for sure? Come on, uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> Jeremy, I I would say I think I think he's going to be given every opportunity to to win the job. It's because he has all that experience, but. I would not be surprised if we see Zach Wilson at some point this season starting for BYU. I just really think that he had an impressive spring, and he really turned a lot of heads. And I think the addition of Zach Wilson, uh, who was once a Boise State commit, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was a big loss for for Boise State's class. Brian Harson and that staff are really making a push to to keep him solidified heading into that early December signing period, but ultimately. He flipped, went to BYU a few days after the signing period began. And it's a big addition for BYU because, again, he's really elevated the rest of the quarterback room, including Tanner Mangum. I would say Mangum's probably the safe bet right now, but don't be surprised uh, if Zach Wilson's the guy. I was, If I was Kalani Satake, I would go with Zach Wilson personally just because I feel that Zach Wilson is talented enough to get BYU six or seven wins, which is probably the ceiling with the older guy in Tanner Mangum um, that BYU has coming into 2018 as well. All right, let's go to receiving group. We have one familiar guy, Dylan Colley, and then a few other guys. I've watched this BYU receiving court. It was not good last year. Outside of Matt Bushman, no. tight end, who's amazing, what almost 50 catches last year, he's going to be a legit tight end, could be All-American consideration. They bring in Dylan Colley, who's at Hawaii, who we've seen a lot. He was the second guy behind John Ursua, who's amazing back again for the Warriors. Is he instantly going to be the number one got receiver on this team? Because not just because it was wasn't great last year, but because he is pretty good. And so, where does he like fit in with this team? Do you think, like I said, will he be number one guy from the get go, or be like Hefo or Micah Simon or somebody? I think it's going to be the former. I think you're talking about Dylan Colley coming in and being BYU's number one guy uh, at the beginning, especially from a leadership standpoint too. I mean, those names you mentioned in BYU's receiving room, you got. Aleva Hefo, Micah Simon, Akile Davis, and people that are hearing those names are going, what are those guys done? Have, have, what have they done? And that's a valid question. Not I don't much. even know what <laughs> they haven't done much at all. Whereas Dylan Colley comes in, he picked BYU over Vanderbilt and got a little bit of interest from UCLA. I don't know if there was actually an offer extended to him, but his his, uh, his inner circle stated that you know UCLA was showing some interest in Chip Kelly, but um, I, I think it was, uh, you know, pretty easy that why he picked BYU because he could step in and be the number one guy. I think he will be that guy, um, and he's already being looked upon as a leader uh, on BYU's offensive side of the ball, which is still relatively young, outside of Tanner Mangum, who's been there for about ten or so years. It feels like, uh, but Dylan Colley, I think, will have a immediate impact. I don't think his stats will suggest, you know, wide receiver number one type numbers, but I think. For the first time in the receiving group, BYU's got a, a guy that they can count on. They're going to throw the football to him, and he's going to be able to haul it in and catch that football. Whereas the last few years, there's been some guys that are they're, they're talented and they got some ability, but they, whether they're dropping the balls, they're running wrong, wrong routes, uh, I think there's just a trust factor with Dylan Culley that will elevate him to being BYU's number one wide receiver, even though I don't think his stats will, ha- will suggest that he's a – a number one type guy. I think that would be, as you mentioned, Matt Bushman, who I think could be one of the 10 best, you know, tight ends in college football this fall. I think with Collie as well, because last year he was the slot guy behind, like I said, who busted, I think about ACL tear mid-year. He's not going to be, like you said, a, like not a typical number one guy because he's all smaller. 
But when he catches the ball, I, I thought instead of others, I'd have a few bigger numbers when you see Arcea go off for 200 plus yards twice before he got yeah. hurt. Like we're a little not disappointed, but I know he's a different player. But people thought he'd do a bit better. But who knows? He if he's a top guy again, another tight end like Bushman who can be out there, and maybe some of the other guys will make some plays. But it'll be. Let's just say this: we can both agree it's going to be better than last year, right? It has to be. Yeah, it has <laughs> to be better than last year because if it's if it's anything worse or on par with what happened last year offensively, then a lot of guys, all these new faces might be out of, out of jobs. I mean, cause if you have a, uh, as bad of a year offensively as they did last season, when you're probably one of the 10 or so worst offenses in football. Yeah. That's not going to fly to a place that really prides itself on, uh, offensive football to the level that BYU's had over the years. So if they can get some consistency at quarterback and, and, and you know, stick with their guy, whoever it ends up being, and that guy stays healthy throughout the season. BYU could you know surprise some folks. What what type of surprising to what level could that be? You know that that'll be seen you know later on. But if they can just get some consistency at that spot, I would I would imagine that Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick's offense is going to be a lot more simplified and catered to these players to really make it simple on them because I think the pro style offense with Ty Detmer was great in theory and it made a lot of sense for the type of athletes BYU can recruit because of their maybe some disadvantages if you will but just the terminology it just didn't hit home for the kids and it was hard to to ultimately execute it on the field whereas Grimes's offense it's probably going to be about 15 or so plays and they're just going to rep them out uh till they really master them and then they'll have three or four or five different out options within you know those 15 or so plays all right, let's go to defense really quick. I assume these are the three best guys. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You got Corbin Kafusi. You also have, um, excuse me, I was going to say Fred Warner, Troy Warner back there. Or is it Sione Takitaki? Like, who's their best defender on this team? Yeah, I, w- I would say Corbin Kafusi. I think Corbin Kafusi's got the, the best, uh, you know, maybe potential to be an NFL draft pick. I mean, I even saw uh, in Athlon Sports, I thought it was a little bit way too high, but. They had him as a as a top thirty five draft prospect. Ooh. Where you're talking, uh, knocking on the first round again. I thought that was extremely high. But you look at the pedigree. I mean, Corbin, his brother Bronson's a Baltimore Raven. His dad, Steve Kafusi, was playing with the Eagles, and 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 he, physically, he he looks really good. He's had a whole off season to just focus on football. He didn't play any BYU basketball this past spring and winter. Uh, he's just been focusing on football, and I think. That's really paid off for him to where physically he looks like he's due for a, for a pretty big year at that defensive end spot. But I, I still have some question marks about BYU's pass rush as a whole. You know, a lot of scrutiny was placed on Ty Detmer and that offense last year, and rightfully so because it was so historically bad. But the defense doesn't uh, avoid any of the blame either. I mean, they were they were okay. They were middle of the road, you know, 70th or so nationally, but. Uh, I thought they should have been a lot better than they were. There's not going to be as many excuses for them this year. They have to they have to perform. Elisa Tuiyanki, a guy that's been really close with Kalani Sataki for a long time. He's the defensive coordinator. He's in his third year with Kalani. I think this is a really important year for him because if you don't see significant strides, significant improvements statistically and and containing teams and as far as you know points allowed, um, you know you might start to see rumblings that you know Kalani might need to pull the plug on his friend and that would be you know a tough dynamic expect for Kalani though to step in a lot more and be involved in that defense like he was 
at Utah and at Oregon State in previous stops. But still, still, I think the defense, you know, after Corbin Kafusi, some of the best players, you mentioned Sione Takitaki and Troy Warner. Troy Warner's an interesting study because he's moving from cornerback to safety, but he's even said himself at BYU Media Day last month that he's not 100% yet. And that's pretty notable when a player says that because usually you would expect maybe a coach to say, oh, he's not 100%, but usually players – they're like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Troy Warner even mentioned himself that he's not 100% yet. So I would maybe, you know, I think BYU fans are kind of hoping that he is ready. But if not, a guy to keep an eye on is Zane Anderson, an outside linebacker who's going to try and fill the shoes of Fred Warner at that flash linebacker spot, as they like to call it. Um, tall order, but in spring, early indications would suggest that Zane Anderson's going to be really good for BYU in this 4-3 defense. All right, so let's get to the three uh, teams on the Mountain West because I assume the defense should be better as well. So we got Utah State, Hawaii, and Boise State. Uh, it's the middle of the season. It's after, like, the uh, – we've seen the schedule, if you haven't, at Arizona, Cal, at Wisconsin, at Washington, mixed in. Pretty difficult schedule the first half like last year. How big of a threat – like, we don't need to go in-depth, but they play Utah State. It's in Provo. It's sort of a rivalry. We both know it's sort of a rivalry because there's that one time BYU couldn't find the wagon wheel to hand over yeah. <laughs> to mm-hmm. the Aggies. So what is your first thought? Like, I know you've chatted about the Aggies, what they're going to do from spring, possibly a bit better offense with another year of David Yost there. Do they scare BYU at all with Jordan Love oh, quarterback? Yeah, I think they definitely do. I mean, now you've seen um, since BYU went into the world of independence, you've seen, you know, this BYU-Utah State game evolve into, oh, you know, BYU just shows up and crushes the Aggies every year and takes home that wagon wheel. Now the wagon wheel is actually a talking point to where the you know BYU uh, is talking about acknowledging Utah State as a rival. BYU in their in their team meeting room, they have a a bunch of different pillars for the 2018 season and goals that they have, and one of those pillars ties into two of these teams we're talking about, and that's rivalries. They mentioned Utah. But they also say you got to defeat Utah State and Boise State. So BYU is now saying officially that Utah State and Boise State are rivals. Um, and, and I think that Utah State game is very interesting because uh, I think Utah State, there's a wide spectrum on where maybe the preseason forecasters are looking at the Aggies. They could be anywhere from 9-3 to three or 6-6. Six to six and six. I, I think that um, you know Matt Wells had a fantastic bounce back year a season ago, and I thought kind of exceeded expectations just getting back to a bowl game. I, I think that's going to be a, a very uh, interesting game on that Friday night in Provo last year. BYU coughed up the ball seven times, seven turnovers. They had an injured quarterback with Bo Hodge. He went out. Then they had Coy Detmer Jr. Uh, step in, and, and he just looked completely overmatched. But, but I still think that that's a game that's a 50-50 toss-up. I don't think there's now this narrative that you can just say BYU shows up and crushes the Aggies. I think Utah State, they're getting similar type of recruits to that of BYU in some recruiting battles, and I think that's been showing itself a little bit. I still think BYU has overall the better talent, but I think that Utah State is uh, much more uh, comparable within striking distance than maybe we would have thought 10 years ago. Sure, at least there's no Jalen Davis this year, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that that was a crazy game last year. But Utah State, like I, they've been so weird. I think they're one in twelve and one one score games the past like three years. 
Yeah. And so they, if it's a close one, I don't know if I'd pick the Aggies because you're right. I've seen people ten wins, nine wins, possible win the division behind Boise State, like second team. I'm like really, I yeah. see it, but the consistency has just been. It's hard to pick this team. So let's go to Hawaii. That's just a pretty much a gimme. But here's what I want to say about Hawaii. They're having the run and shoot, Mitch. That's coming back to the islands. I'm excited about that. As someone who appreciates the BYU-Hawaii rivalry, uh, I'm someone that strongly is is promoting the, uh, you know, bring back the the white helmets of those rainbow. Bring it, For that BYU game, they got to wear uh, those you know rainbow jerseys. In fact, I'm wearing a Hawaii T-shirt, throwback T-shirt, in honor of this interview. Amazing, uh, right now because <laughs> I, I love I love the throwback Rainbow Warriors. And how can you not like Nick Rolovich? I'm rooting for that guy. He's fantastic. But I would say this is probably the easiest game on BYU's schedule. Well, you know they do have McNeese State, but that was a pretty good McNeese State team last year. They went nine and two in the FCS ranks, but still Hawaii's probably got better overall talent, but. Uh, I think it's just a hard thing to expect in Hawaii to win in Provo. They've never done it in their program's history. Um, so Hawaii, they've always been a thorn in BYU's side in the islands, but in Provo, they've never won in Lavelle Edwards, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and I don't think that changes this year. Uh, I think that's one game that I could say right now I feel pretty confident uh, that BYU wins that one. And there's not many of those on BYU's schedule in 2018. And there was East UMass last year, so can't forget that. <laughs> exactly, that's right. <laughs> one cool note my buddy told me about Hawaii, they've never won a game in the Mountain Time Zone. They, I mean, excuse me, they've won one game ever in the Mountain Time Zone. Hmm, I'm trying to think which one that was. Was I, that against Utah or Air Force? or? I don't recall. I, I, kinda, I We chatted about it our last show we did, but if you think about it, maybe it's within the Mountain West. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. But if, I'm like, well, that can't be possible. They play the Mountain Co- Conference. Well, they only play three teams in the division every other yeah. every year, one or two at home. I think they were like one and nine since they joined the league. But I'd like when you first hear it out loud, only one whenever, it's like, and or within the Mountain well, West, it's kind of odd. But then well, if that you makes, look who they oh, play, so, it's like where they play. It's like okay, they play like three games a year, maybe four. <laughs> yeah, and you go back to the old days of the WAC, where you know when all these teams were in the same league, and and uh, you know Hawaii would have eight home games, and they'd only they'd get kind of an exception to not play as many road games against conference foes. So they they yeah. have eight home games, so that is plausible <laughs> to think that they've only won one or two you know, games in the mountain time zone because you look back at the history and there was, you, you'd go three or four straight years, BYU would be, w- wouldn't get a return visit to Provo. They kind of did it by design. They wanted to always play in the islands for a recruiting edge mm-hmm. and BYU was kind of a, a, a you know, a, a founding father, if you will, when we came to Hawaii recruiting next to the Warriors. But that's an interesting stat nonetheless because they, they haven't had much much success in the, in the uh, mountain time zone over the years. And it's pretty interesting. The last game on here is probably the best out of the three at Boise State. Broncos are they're I'm gonna say they're number one or number two for that New Year's six spot. I guess I don't know, got Fresno, maybe people still believe in UCF, which we'll see. But I guess I remember seeing that little picture that was sent out you mentioned earlier about the rivalry. Where would you outside of Utah, is this like their number two rival, even more than Utah State? I mean, honestly, I, I would say, yeah, I, I'd say it's number two. I mean, because Boise State's just an excellent program. I mean, every year you can count on them being, you know, in the nationally ranked conversation. I mean, well, how many years has it been? You probably know better than I, but there's been at least, what, 13, 14 years where they've appeared at least one AP poll in a season. I mean, they, they just always 
are in the national conversation, and, and that's the type of games BYU wants. They want programs as an independent to where you know that you play uh, you play this team, you're going to be talked about, especially if you win, and it's a great opportunity for BYU and to have it in the month of November because that's always been a battle for BYU is to have you know games that mean something in November. At least when I say mean something, mean something in the national landscape because you know Boise State – they're going to be, at, at worst, I would imagine, one loss. I, I think this is a Boise State team that's undefeated this season. I think they're this, they're loaded. I've Could always be. been a huge fan of Brian Harson. Um, this is going to be a, a really tall order for, for, for BYU. They, they could be a completely different team, though, by that juncture, and that should make it a lot of fun to see what they can do. And they've given Boise some close calls over the years. I mean, they've two years ago it was a one-point game, and you know, four years ago up on the blue, that was kind of a blowout where Broncos team got just wrecked. But there's been some great games, the, what, seven to six game well, in 2012. Big punt and, in the, yeah. in your shadow of the goalpost. Yeah, so there's been just uh, and Matt Payne back in 2004, 28, 27. So there's been a lot of great games over the years up on the blue turf for BYU. They haven't been able to find a way to get it done, though. And, and for unfortunately for BYU... Uh, I don't think they get it done this year either. Just Boise State's on a completely another level compared to BYU. And oddly enough, Jeremy, I think it's a it's an interesting dynamic because I remember when Boise State was coming up through the ranks and really you know ascending in college football. Think about like 2001 to 2003, and there was always these comparisons to Boise State is kind of like BYU of the 80s. Well, now I think BYU would love to be the Boise State of what they're what they're doing kind of a role yeah. reversal once again uh just boise state's just a, a machine that's just not slowing down anytime soon yeah we'll see they got oklahoma state they have a they play, play fresno and san diego state so that will be tough to get out there but it, i'm hoping it's a good game because i want to we like fun football when these two teams are at least above average that makes for a really really good game so yeah let me ask you this real quick i got two more things before i wrap it up here what's their record against those three teams I'm gonna say two and one. With the Boise I think that, loss, right? Yeah, Boise. Okay. I think that Boise one's a loss. I think BYU finds a way to squeak it out against Utah State, and I think they they roll over Hawaii. I think BYU goes two and one in those three Mount West games. All right, it's Kalani on the hot seat if they don't make a bowl game. You know, that's a good question. I think that if they get to five and seven, I still could see a scenario where BYU keeps Kalani. Uh, from what I understand, he's under contract for four years. And BYU is not historically known for paying out guys. So I would imagine if they're 5-7, and seven, they've shown progress, he still would come back. But I think there is a – you can sense the pressure that you got to get back to bowl, a bowl game. 6-6 six and six is doable, especially with his home slate. All the home games with maybe, you know, Cal and, and Northern Illinois, those are some pretty decent teams. Maybe better talent than BYU, Northern Illinois on defense. But – well, six home games for BYU. BYU should win those games. And if you do that, defend home failed, you're going bowling. So uh, I think it's important for them to get to a bowl game. But I think those Mountain West games, I feel I feel pretty good right now that BYU can get two of those, uh, two out of the three. Makes sense. Like, I know they lost, I joked about UMass. That should be a win. Arizona new head coach, Kevin Sumlin, eh, probably not. But you never know with a new coach there. Khalil Tate's pretty good, though, quarterback. So, so you're thinking like six and six for BYU most likely? Yeah, I think I think honestly, my my prediction for BYU is seven and five. I think the the they it's a it's critical for them uh, to come out of the gates against Arizona and, and excuse me uh, Arizona and Cal 
in the first two weeks, those are going to be critical games to really determine whether or not BYU can can go to a bowl game. I think those are big ones for, for BYU. But I think they can carve out seven wins. I think they can find a way. I, I Honestly, I feel more confident about the system in place that BYU is building with the offensive staff than maybe what we're seeing with the defensive staff. Because, again, I don't think BYU is going to have much of a pass rush at all outside of Corbin Kafusi. I like Sione Taki Taki, but the defense has a lot of question marks for me. So, oddly enough, I would feel a little more confident about BYU's offense than, than actually their defense going into the season. So, it should be a lot of fun, though. I'm really excited to see what they can do. And, and for the first time in, in really many years, BYU fans can't, you know, complain about just going six and six or seven and five if that happens, because that would be uh, a successful year to kind of bounce back and get kind of respectability back on BYU's side. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mitch. Um, where can we find – I know you do a lot of stuff. I got your Twitter, Mitch underscore Harper. We can hear it on ESPN 960. Where else are you doing things related yeah. to BYU? Yeah, I'm, yeah I, I try I try to stay busy. Uh, <laughs> ESPN 960, uh, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday with uh, Ben Criddle. Uh, ESPN 700, I'm doing stuff with Bill Riley. Voice the Utes, oddly enough, but that's 11 <laughs> to 2, um, Monday through Friday. And then uh, – also, Athlon Sports, Cougar Sports Wire. So keeping busy, uh, doing as much as I can to stay uh, stay abreast of all things BYU. But also my Twitter, Mitch underscore Harper. It's kind of a hub for everything that uh, goes on and uh, keep people posted there. So no MitchHarper.com like we talked about last time? No, no MitchHarper.com. <laughs> I'm not cool enough for that. No worries. All right, Mitch, thank you very much. We'll, maybe we'll chat again. We'll see. Uh, but we got the three games come up, coming up. And everybody, thanks for tuning in. If you like Mitch, again, Mitch underscore Harper on Twitter. Follow him throughout the year because there's a handful of games. Um, maybe something else going on with BYU. Who knows? Maybe they'll join the conference midseason in the Mountain West. <laughs> crazier things have happened. But just check us out, MWR.com. Subscribe to our stuff. I guess uh, wherever you can buy your podcast, go to that and follow Mitch. And is your um, podcast coming back as well, or should I not bring that up? Yeah, it'll be coming back uh, this fall. Uh, Cougars, Cougar Center podcast will be coming back this fall, uh, getting the, the preseason uh, episodes fired up, so it should be a lot of fun. So Cougar Center podcast as well. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Mitch, and we'll see you around. All right. Thanks, Jeremy.